This episode of Ear Buddies contains discussions of extreme violence, including self-harm and suicide. Please listen at your own discretion. This episode of Ear Buddies is brought to you by Spirit Halloween. Owned by Spencer's Gifts. Did you know that? I bet you didn't. It was founded in 19... Whoa. 1983 by Joseph Marver. And now... It's everywhere. It's Spirit Halloween. I'm the spirit of Halloween. Uh, And I am the ghost of Christmas past. And this is a Christmas Carol. (laughs) Hello, buddy. Hey, buddy. Sorry about that one. Uh, No, it's good. Got me flat-footed again. (laughs) It's what I do best, my dude. Uh, Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween to you, too, and your whole family. Thank you. The goblins and ghouls are out. The witches have brewed their special potions, and, and Matt and I are taking a drink. Right? That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and so, in the spirit of this most wretched of all days on the U.S. calendar, we have decided to, to tell a spooky story about Norway and Norwegian <laughs> music. Uh and we are bringing on a guest, I would say a bona fide expert on the topic. Mason Sisk, welcome back to Ear Buddies. Hey guys, thanks for having me. It's, it's a pleasure to bring you back onto the program. You, of course, uh, filled in in a, in a stunning way, a, a really excellent job. You and Matt talking about uh, super groups while I was on parental leave uh, many months ago. And uh, Mason, just kind of in your in your circle, what was the response to that episode? What was the critical acclaim that you got to experience firsthand? Well, I'll tell you the biggest piece of feedback that made me uh, smile was our good friend Club uh, sent me a nice little message saying that it was a great episode, which is all the all the feedback I need to hear. Oh, that is so special. It's, it's you know, Tim and I, when we started this thing, we hoped, mm. I don't think we expected, Tim, but we did hope to build a community <laughs> around yeah. the, the people who have been a guest on Ear Buddies. So, <laughs> I guess that would be, that would Mason be one of the other guys. And, and club, right, yeah. And Hollywood Steve. Hollywood uh, Steve, that's right. Mason, you uh, you visited my home socially maybe a year ago uh, and told me a story that, that chilled me to the bone. But before we get into that story, I would just like to ask, did you have a nice time at my house that time? I, I have to say, Tim, I really did, but I will also admit that it's, the story I told you guys was pretty out of nowhere, and I think left the entire night sort of on a, what did you talk about the vibe, and I do regret that. 
Well, you know, Mason, there's a time and a place. Uh, if that, if Tim's house, if having a little, you know, get together at Tim's wasn't the time or the place, well, I mean, here's your shot, buddy. We're we're here, and this is the platform to talk about, uh, or I suppose retell that tale. <laughs> In a more appropriate setting, <laughs> I will say I, that it 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 did uh, it did kind of I won't say it ruined the night, Mason, but it, it did leave <laughs> us all um, kind of wondering where to go from there. And and as I recall, the 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 social the social evening ended shortly after you told this story. <laughs> it was palpable that the entire room, including myself, felt uncomfortable and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think then, uh, what day pot better than Halloween to tell the story of Norwegian black metal and the rampant death and violence that surrounded that music scene? You're listening to a cut from Mayhem's uh, debut album, De Mysteries Dom Satanas. Uh, Freezing Moon. This is black metal, baby. Mason, what was going on here in this scene, you know, uh, uh, around the end of the 1980s and in the early 90s? Yeah, so, and and that's exactly the, the spot in time we want to talk about today. It's, which was the early Norwegian black metal scene, but also known as sort of like the second wave of black metal. Um, they ha- this is when you had all of the uh, bands that were wearing corpse paint, you know, and ra- you know, and, and the difference between that and like say Kiss or Alice Cooper was these guys were genuinely just trying to make themselves look dead, you know, you know they were, sure. they were going for, ac- for for accuracy, and uh, and and they created a lot of. Uh, Mayhem, that's a teaser, because that's one of the bands we'll be talking about, um, you know, d- during that entire time period. Yeah, where, whereas Kiss, they tried to make themselves look truly alive. <laughs> <laughs> you can say that again. <laughs> yeah, but but uh, that's, that's an important point to raise, I think, Mason, because, yeah, I mean, we had had metal and, like, stuff that was like metal, you know, hair metal, etc., etc. Uh, but that was, you know, I mean, Kiss, that's mainstream. They're playing at the North Dakota State Fair, you know. Uh, <laughs> they they are just real, relatively normal people kind of wearing uh, theatrical makeup and having, mm-hmm. you know, fireworks shoot out of their instruments. Uh, but yeah, this, this black metal, not quite, not quite the same. I, I, the difference, right, Mason, is that with, uh, I don't know, stateside or, or maybe uh, maybe British metal bands or whatever, you know, they're, they're punching a clock. They clock in at 9 a.m. and they're badasses and they love death and they love uh, killing, I assume, and maybe drugs. I don't know. Uh, but then, you know, they go home. They've... They've got a, a wife and kids, you know. They got mouths to feed. They 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 put on their their turtleneck sweaters and <laughs> and 
read some Chaucer and 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 relax. <laughs> is, is whereas in Norway, it was these these are guys who who truly committed to the bit. So the corpse paint you mentioned, right? They 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 literally want to look dead uh, while they're performing on stage. And in some cases, some of these guys just straight up go ahead and get dead. Is this correct? That that is uh, does seem to be a frequent theme among members of Norwegian black metal bands. They, you know, because there there are a lot of different subgenres of metal, and it's mm-hmm. you might, I mean, it's it's really it's kind of like what's the difference, right? Like what's the difference between death metal and black metal? Um, but there is, especially for these folks, and they had a strong rivalry. Uh, with Swedish death metal bands and Finnish death metal bands, you know, frequently sending each other death threats and, you know, things like that. So the difference is important. Now, that's funny to me. And I don't want to, I don't want to uh, walk myself too far into this rabbit hole because I'm going to say that really, I don't think it was all about the tunes for these guys, oh. you know? I, wow. I don't I don't think it was because in my uh, admittedly limited research I, I think what the what black what Norwegian black metal brought to the scene as far as innovation was playing uh, the guitar playing all six strings rather than just two or three for power chords which is a difference but not one worth dying over I would say Um and so I don't I, I don't want to talk too much about just the sort of sonic and and aesthetic differences there. But like you said, Mason, uh, it did matter a lot to them. They were, may have been too close to the situation, um, and and things sort of went sideways pretty quickly. So uh, now I, I wasn't I, I don't know why I wasn't invited to this gathering that you guys had maybe i was out of town i can only assume because uh, we are I all think friends you, bro you know you know i would never uh slight you like that i'm sure you were out of town or otherwise occupied i'm sure i was yeah i that's what i tell myself The, the tale uh, begins, I think, Mason, and correct me if I'm wrong here, with, um, well, I guess part of the, the catalyst was the suicide of a prominent member of a prominent black metal band. Yes, but I do want to back up just a bit on that, <sighs> because there is some, some, I would say, interesting uh, pieces of the story that include this man before he committed suicide. But, you know, so the band we're referring to is Mayhem, as I as I teased earlier, formed in like the mid 1980s, right? Um, they actually they started as a band that mostly played covers of, of bands like Black Sabbath and Venom and Motorhead. You know, the traditionally mainstream metal bands uh, that you would you would might think of when you think of 80s metal music. Mm-hmm. Um, Fast forward uh, a, f- a few years to 1988, and they were looking for a singer, and they were sent in the mail um, a package uh, that had a demo tape uh, and a crucified mouse. 
Um, and that uh-huh. right there is about a good, as good a resume as you could possibly send if you're trying to get a job as a black metal singer. And it was that, a young, uh, wow. a not young Swedish man who uh, went by the name Dead. Wow. This guy rules. I'm loving this dude. I mean, he <laughs> knows he knows the territory. He's he's hitting all the marks. Unbelievable work. What and what what really made Dead an interesting figure is his live performances. So this is a guy who would frequently self harm, um, you know, cutting and stabbing himself during live shows. He would actually bury his clothing. Uh, that he would wear for sets and dig it up out of the ground uh, to go play. And all, I mean, all of it in the, you know, with the goal of truly looking and smelling like a corpse. He would also like keep dead birds underneath his bed in like a Ziploc bag and then like would just like take a big whiff uh, every once in a while so he could smell death. I mean, if this guy is not, you know, the most eligible eligible bachelor in Norway that I don't know who is. <laughs> this is a guy for whom Matt, as you alluded to, it is not all about the tunes. He he is <laughs> he's thinking about other things for for that's sure. Right. It does seem like that, but respect. I mean, obviously, that's that's a lifestyle few can lead. So the band had moved into a house in the woods near Oslo, where they would. So they all lived together in this this house that was somewhat, you know. Um, isolated and uh one day uh the singer or the the uh guitarist who went by the name Uranimus uh came home and found uh the dead body of dead uh he had cut his wrists he had cut his throat and once that didn't do it apparently he uh shot himself in the head with a shotgun now upon Finding this dead body of his bandmate and singer, and presumably maybe friend, not actually probably not so much. Does he call the cops? Does he call Dead's family? No. He mm. runs down to the store, picks out uh, a nice disposable camera, uh, comes back to the house, and uh, after making a few uh, arrangements of various items around the body, uh, decides to take some pictures, a little photo shoot of uh, the one of the most gruesome scenes I, you know, I have to imagine. And, uh, and later, that photo was used for a album cover of one of their live albums. So that's, uh, that's about one of the most metal things I've ever heard, I guess. And so if you're sitting in my dining room telling this story among friends... Uh, after just having a nice meal, uh, Matt, you know what do you think? How do you think the vibe feels? Sure, you know I I, <laughs> I see where it could have gone south because um, you know normally Mason and I have a nice time together. He's very personable, very likable guy. Uh, but yeah, I mean I don't know. I I might have saved this one for a podcast such as this um, <laughs> rather than sort of a. Uh, digestives and cocktails hour, but well, you know, in my defense, I so well, I can't defend this, but I uh, I had just just gotten deep into a rabbit hole about this fascinating story 
And I think I just said, Matt or uh, Tim, do you know the story of the band Mayhem? And you were like, no, what are they about? And then at that point, I think I'd already uh, pinned myself into somewhat of a corner. However, I didn't have to go into that much detail. So I, I apologize <laughs> to you and your wife and your home. Uh, your dog, obviously, the baby. <laughs> Mason, all is forgiven. What um, what's the reaction here, uh, Mason? Are you know when this when this photo is used as an album cover? Are you know how does how do the uh, how does the cancel culture not uh, not come for these guys <laughs> immediately? I guess is my question. And I should also add, he also allegedly um, took fragments of the skull and made it into oh. like necklaces and things and would give it to musicians that he deemed worthy so also wow. you know horrible thing um but the reaction um even among other band members so he called the bassist uh necro butcher mm-hmm, and nice. uh and uh you Super know told cool. him, and he told him that uh you know hey dead did something really cool he killed himself and he was like, wait, what do you mean cool? Like, mm-hmm. have you lost it? And he said, dude, bro, calm down. I got picks, so it's fine. And he's like, I can't believe you. You have to destroy those pictures. And, you know, very shortly left the band. And, you know, Mayhem continued on. And I don't think that the al- the picture was used as an album cover until... Um, you know, much later on and in a limited sort of underground copy of an album. But, um, you know, so the, the reaction um, was definitely mixed. You know, you you had some in the black metal scene that thought it was gnarly and cool. And then, of course, you had people who were like, guys, we, we've gone too far. It's a question of commitment to the bit, I suppose. If how if you're going to espouse you know the the virtues of death and violence uh on stage and not walk your talk you know then what are you doing i guess is what some of these dudes are thinking whereas others are thinking maybe we should just maybe we should just uh dial it back even to 9 instead of 10 when 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 a guy named necro butcher is the voice of reason when it comes to violence <laughs> <laughs> you know that that something something's not right. So mayhem mayhem continues, and so we we have uh, we have some self harm and suicide, but there's also uh, murder and, and church burning and things like this going on. Mason, right? Uh, you know where where do we go from here after Dead's death? Right. So Dead um, killed himself in ninety one, um, and. You know, the scene is still very much alive. Um, and Euronymous um, actually uh, moved to Oslo and got himself opened up a nice little record shop that really served as the hangout. Um, he had a small production company um, that would record for a lot of these bands that they, they would basically hang out in the basement where everything was painted black, as you would imagine, and um, which was uh, you know, a few different bands, um, but what became known as the Dark Inner Circle or something to that effect, uh, this, this group of guys. And um, 
But yes, you, you've talked about the church burning. So this is a really big deal as well. So throughout the early to mid 90s, I think by 96, there were close to 50 or so um, church burnings that were perpetrated by members of bands and members of the black metal scene. Um, and these are, you know, you've seen the, you know, beauty and the unique uh, architecture of this, some of these really old, you know, Norwegian. Oh, Mason, Mason, all you have to do is visit the Scandinavian American Heritage Park in Minot, North Dakota to find a beautiful Stav church. I, I know. These yeah, are beautiful now, structures. Imagine that in flames, Tim. Oh, my Lord. You're telling me that Stav churches were going up in flames? The very first um, was uh, Fantoff Stav Church, um, which was actually like a, a five-minute walk from where I lived when I, when I studied there. Hamana, and they, have it, they have it. They have it. Uh, you know, they've got, they built a replica and whatever. So we, there's a church still there, but that was one of the older, like one of the oldest churches, and these are you know hundreds of years old and um, burnt to the ground. And the man who was arrested for it, a man by the name of Varg Victorins, who uh-huh. was uh, in a band called Barzum, but would later, um, you know, have a brief stint in the band Mayhem as well. And he's also an important figure. We'll come back to later, but. He put it on his album cover, just the church burned down. And so they weren't being shy about committing these arsonies either. You know, so they were they were uh, really rather proud of it. And, and it was all with this anti-Christian, anti-religious sentiment uh, that was shared by most of those in the, in the group. Matt, what's your gut reaction to all this? You're a church guy. <laughs> Well, hey, you know, I and I understand the the move away from organized religion, um, but I don't know, man. I mean, I don't. Here's what I'll say: I don't think I would have done that. <laughs> well, it, and it is, it is it's interesting. I think the uh, sort of fascinating thing is that, like you mentioned, Mason. Yeah, they they were doing this. I mean, probably not in broad daylight because I assume they kind of just hung out at you know one a.m. Um, but they did not seem very shy about this at all. Like they're taking pics, they're promote using it in their promotional materials. I don't know what the Norwegian, uh, you know, law enforcement was like back then, but get a move on, guys! Come on, crack down a little bit. Yeah, I, I don't want to say that they dropped the ball necessarily, you know, but mm-hmm. someone should have caught that. <laughs> So, right, so Christianity in Norway is overthrown over the course of the early 90s. Uh, and, and in the wake of, of this, uh, this atheism, it, it just gets worse, does it not? We, we, have some, we have some murder now to talk about. Right, and... Uh... And so, you know, this Euronymous guy, he was, I mean, he was really a central figure in the entire scene, but also wasn't very good at, you know, making friends. So we have Necro Butcher, who left the band, was upset with him, hated his guts. A Varg Vickerns, who I mentioned as the one of the, the firebugs that was lighting all the churches on fire, and uh, a brief session musician for the band Mayhem. Um, you know, fast forward 
couple years in 1993. And there was some sort of beef between Euronymous and this guy Varg. Um, something about a contract. It could have been. It could have been a number of things. Who really knows? It could have been anything. Knowing Euronymous. Yeah, there. It could have been drugs. It could have been. You know, he told him he wasn't black metal enough. You know, who knows? <laughs> Varg uh, drives from, you know, across the, literally across the entire country from Bergen to Oslo, uh, to, you know, make up with Euronymous, mm. to shake hands with Euronymous. He came there uh-huh. to murder him. And that mm. occurred by way of 23 stabbings. So down goes Euronymous. Are these people ever... Hey, I mean, do the cops ever show up? Are any of these church burners, you know, any of this any of this actual murder? Uh, any consequences here? Or is this just truly... Uh, is is Norway, you know, more of a, a lawless social democracy than I realized? So, I mean, I'm glad that you asked, Tim, um, because on this particular occasion, the cops uh, were, dare I say it, on the ball because they uh, they knew they had already apparently had a maybe a, a some sort of you know, inclination, they, they, they kind of knew that this guy was starting fires and up to no good. So I, it's been hypothesized that they had already bugged his phone and heard him talking about killing Euronymous. So once they, he was found dead, they picked this guy up immediately. Uh, he was charged and convicted to the maximum amount of penalty that's allowed in Norway, which is 21 years in prison. So he's been out for over a decade now. Does, do we ever do we chill out at some point, Mason? Uh, you know, is does the scene fizzle out? Do, does everybody just sort of grow up and realize they don't have to commit this much to the bit, and we could just make some cool metal music and and go home to our families at the end of the day safely, or what happens? I, it does. You know, the killing of Euronymous really, you know, was I think sort of a a, a turning point. Uh, in in the the entire scene, he was such a, a, a you know massive figure in the scene that um, you know once that murder had occurred, it does seem like there's some you know some fizzling out of the extremism and uh, you know violence and and all those types of things to demonstrate how true they were to the to the music. You know, you start to see, hey, um, you know, the, the police are not gonna, not gonna um, keep allowing this mayhem to go on. They start to really, I mean, anyone associated with the, with the genre was on a on a list somewhere. I'm sure. Matt, you and I, um, we love music. <laughs> yeah, we do. It seems to me that these these guys in the Norwegian black metal scene also. I mean, they really, they really cared about what they were doing, you know. Um, what are the, you know, what, what lesson do you take from this, this spooky story of violence and and mayhem and fire and death uh, to to lead a better life yourself as a podcaster, <laughs> as a musician, as as a person? 
Here's, you know what I think about Tim and Mason? Mm-hmm. I think about the insane clown posse. Hey, yeah, bring it, bring them back. Sure. Let's talk now about this, this is this is this is my my gift as a podcaster. It's just making these <laughs> connections, right? Um, and, because and it is we, a gift, to be clear. <laughs> it is a gift. <laughs> because we've talked about the insane clown posse, and mm-hmm. that was sort of a revelation for me, and I know probably you as well, Tim. Insane clown posse. Their 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 lyrics are, um, I mean, basically as offensive. Uh, I would imagine as mm-hmm. like Norwegian black metal, um, but then yeah. Shaggy and you know Two Step or whatever his name is, they're they're going home and they're reading some Chaucer and they're having a glass of red wine and they're raising their kids up in the way they should go, so when they are older they will not stray from that path. And mm. and the the Juggalos are clearly a community of just a bunch of cool dudes and dudettes, right? I mean that's what do we not discovered. like to. To stab people, right? Right, right, right. They're just shooting their guns in the air. There's a difference. Yeah, and that's right. And I just, it's like, I don't think that there's any like less credibility in the Juggalo community um, because they're not actually committing arson and murder. Um, so I just sort of, I, I wonder, you know, what, what we will do for the bit because you know mm. we've been saying that a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but I'm going to take my tongue out of my cheek uh, and use it to say the following. Um, (laughs) I I have read that, you know, it really was uh, the black metal scene started sort of ironically, um, you know, like they were trying to take it that sort of, you know, washed out hair metal type stuff to the next level and make it really you know really hardcore and really crazy and really sort of real um and boy did they ever but i I, I can't help but think that maybe it didn't need to be um actual crimes and actual loss of life and, and historical stuff churches so i mean lesson learned i don't know i'm not really i i'm just sort of confused yeah, and you know, ultimately, I, I think someone should have just gotten some help for for dead. You know, the guy was the guy was having trouble, and takes his own life, and and, and he can dress it up as you know, this is um, committing to to black metal, but but this was a guy's life. You know, he should have. You know, it it the people around him did him a true disservice by not. Um, wiping off the corpse paint and saying maybe um maybe we've taken this a bit too far for for uh, for old dead yeah this is real life and real right. death i mean mhm yikes mm. that's my i i just say yikes i will say as well and you you hit it on the head tim because everything you read about this guy dead and like the quotes that are attributed to him or what he wrote you know in in diaries or whatever is like you know, this guy just is mentally not well. Yeah, I, I I think that it's also kind of interesting because, I mean, these guys packed a lot of living into a short amount of time because dead at his time of suicide was 22. Hieronymus uh, at, at the time he was murdered was 25. I mean, they had 
they I mean they were these were young adults and uh they they really took it to the extreme there is also if for those uh interested um there's also a movie starring one of the Culkin brothers um called Lords of Chaos about the band and the early and the church burnings and everything so I've not seen it to be honest but I know that it exists I think the three of us and our and our lovely wives should all get together and watch it Uh, crack a bottle of rosé and and have some charcuterie and and watch this film is this an invite can am I am I can yeah, I come? No. Please. Oh, thanks, guys. That's really sweet of you. Mason, you've done us an incredible service by coming on on Halloween to drop the most disturbing episode of Ear Buddies on the Army uh, to date. Thank you very much for sharing this story, my friend. And um, and, th- and thanks for being on the show. Thanks for being, uh, thanks for being a loyal buddy. Well, thank you both um, for indulging me. It's not a pleasant topic, but certainly fitting uh, the Halloween theme. Um, you know, there are other uh, suicides and murder that occurred in this time frame uh, in the realm of, of black metal. Uh, so there's a lot more to, to, to dive deeper into, but we'll save that for another time. Ear Buddies will continue in a moment. This episode of Ear Buddies is brought to you by Spirit Halloween. Uh, 1,400 locations across North America. And Matt? Hey, Tim. I don't don't know about you, but I look forward to spooky season simply so that I can visit uh, the halls of a long-dead outlet store in the mall and find a a wacky costume it's the best part of spooky season and spirit halloween is the best place to do that what do you think about that my bro yeah i mean as always tim i'm right there with you um their (laughs) costumes are reasonably priced uh the sales staff are helpful and um you know they they are committed to giving you the spookiest season you can have, um, and I just want to say, I mean, as always, these ad reads uh, we want to we want to help out somebody, and we're helping out Spirit Halloween yes. here because Tim, I mean, in my view, I think Spirit Halloween has become a punchline in a way that. I just don't think is is earned. Um, you know, every year around, right. around this time, we we go on the internet and we make our little jokes, and mm. we you know, Spirit Halloween they pop up in an abandoned warehouse and in, in a, a Burger King and you know even a burned down church. You know, like I wouldn't put it past them. Sure. And and yeah, yeah, that's right. And 
and we we make our jokes, but mm-hmm. what else would you have them do? You know what I mean? I mean, do you would you rather have a spirit Halloween up all year round? Right. It's a business model that makes sense for all of us, yes. not just for the top dogs at Spirit Halloween and Spencer Gifts. That's right. It can only uh, it can only be seasonal. It's good for all of us. It's good, very good for all of us. I I don't want to I don't want to be going around looking at Christmas lights or uh, you know on the pontoon on the Fourth of July and across the lake I see a go, uh, you know an orange uh, sign that says Spirit Halloween that throws off my vibe. I'm fine with seeing that sign during spooky season, which is now. You have to give a lot of credit to Joseph Marver. Oh, do you who ever? Is, who is the founder and former chief executive officer of Spirit Halloween. He went to University of Minnesota. He got into business and got into the business of frights and scares. <laughs> this is a veritable Jack the Pumpkin King living and walking among us today. This is the man who has costumed and masked so many of us over the years. He is Santa Claus. He is Joseph Marver. He is the he is the king of Halloween. I mean, if you don't leave a little offering at his altar every year, um, what are you even doing? Do you even celebrate the holiday? Do you even like Halloween? Do you even abide by spooky season or are you just in it uh for the laughs matt well th- no that's exactly it tim i mean i feel like too many of us are simply in it for the laughs which uh i mean diminishing returns there guys i'm just gonna let you know uh there's there's mm-hmm. only so much you can do but i mean this is this is a business that is making over eight billion dollars a year, and when I say a year, I mean eight billion dollars every like in a two yeah. to three month period. Mm. Hey, that's pretty good. The way Santa Claus gets his little elves to work, scrambling around the Christmas season, and then loads all the toys onto the sleigh and flies around the earth, delivering gifts to all the good Christian children. <laughs> across the world. (laughs) Joseph Marver is out here toiling and working hard in the lead up to Halloween. I, I guess I, I think that I think that he is a hero, a great American. And, and nobody, nobody talks about this guy. Nobody knows his name. The man does not have a Wikipedia page. Shameful. Hmm. Joe, where are you? Joe, are you out there? You listening? How can we thank you properly? <laughs> Matt, how how can we <laughs> the Halloween loving public properly say thank you to Mr. Marver for saving this holiday and saving the local economies of uh 1400 store uh, 1400 communities across the fruited plain. Tim, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. We can't get a hold of the guy. Uh, I assume he lives in in peace and and obvious prosperity um, mm. somewhere in the Hamptons. Um, but 
he probably doesn't have a phone or the internet because you know he's sold to to Spencer's gift, so it's not really his problem anymore. But yeah, that's true. Historically, Halloween is a it's a sacred event, and I'm using that that term very specifically. Um, and I think we need to bring Christ back into Halloween. Ah. That's okay. <laughs> that's what I would say. Joseph Marver would want. We've taken God the out reason of, for the season. <laughs> we've taken God out of the Pledge of Allegiance, probably, uh-huh. um, and uh-huh. and we're ta- taking down statues in front of local courthouses, and uh-huh. God's just not in our schools anymore, <laughs> like he used to be. Uh-huh. And 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 we do this to our own detriment, at our own peril. Yeah. Uh, right. I, I don't. That's I don't right. think it's what Joseph Marvel would have wanted, and I don't think it's good for the economy or the culture. So let's mm-hmm. let's be serious this year, okay? This is it's a sacred holiday, and I I just don't think the memes are that funny or that respectful to Mister Marvel's vision. There you go. That's that's all I'll say about that. It's Spirit Halloween. Welcome back to Ear Buddies, the Halloween edition. We've said goodbye to Mason Sisk, our, our beloved guest for today. Mason uh, did a great job telling us some really wretched stuff, Matt. So I'm, I'm hoping that this session of show and tell can also serve as sort of a palate cleanser matt what do you uh, what do you have for us well tim yeah i think uh i think a palate cleanser is definitely in order i would rather not leave mm-hmm. people um leave the army um you know i don't want to play anybody out to the sounds of norwegian black metal um so mm. what I've chosen is a a traditional Norwegian folk song um, <laughs> called something that I'm sure I cannot pronounce correctly, but it's something like Zinklar's Vice. Her Zinklar drog over salten hav Til Norge hans kursmånne stande Blant gullbrands klipper han fant sin grav do you like it? I do love it. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. I feel like I'm in Stockholm Hall at the Hust Fest. <laughs> so, I'll tell you a little bit about this. It's it, the English translation is the Ballad of Sinclair, um, and uh-huh. it's you know just an old tune. It's the story of a historical battle in Norway. Um, wow! And they're just sort of uh, singing about that, um, and and it's interesting yeah, because are. these are this is a tale of, of violence and and uh, mm. terror. I would say it's presented in, yeah. I guess, a little bit of more of a palatable way. Leo, um, yeah, let's uh, let's just take a listen here. 
kommer du til Norge, jeg siger for sand. Rett aldrig du kommer tilbage. Leder din sang, du giftige troll, altidens du spår. I mean, I'm all about this. I, I, I think this rocks. And I I have found a version online, and and listeners, if you seek this out, I will link this in the show notes. Uh, it has English translations. I mean, this is quite a story that we're that we're telling in this beautiful lyric. <laughs> yeah, so you know we're we're hitting the army with quite a bit of what some might say is disparate um, stuff. On this Halloween, on this Hallow's Eve. But I guess my point is that Norway seems kind of crazy. So that's me, Tim. (laughs) I am going to play a song by a Norwegian band that I have loved for, for many a year. This is the group Kings of Convenience and a song called I'd rather dance with you. Talked about Kings of Convenience, you and I. I don't think so, but I, I have no. Uh, we've, I've listened to them though, so maybe you've mentioned them at some point in the past. Sure, uh, you know, indie pop, kind of a, uh, you know, folk pop. You know, they've got like four albums. They are two uh, very sweet, nerdy, spry little boys, and they love playing the guitar and singing, and. Uh, hey, I guess this is just to say that uh, it doesn't all have to be spooky and scary out of, out there in Norway. There's there's room for uh, for joy and quirkiness and and. Catchy melodies. It doesn't. Yeah, that's that's. I'm glad you bring that up, Tim. I mean, yeah, of course. You know, I I did that episode on the Swedes making pop music ages ago. Yeah. Um, but there's really a lot of Scandinavian countries are great at making pop music, man, and a robust welfare state. <laughs> they are great at making that too. Um, but you know, even like uh, Kygo, right? We remember him and the band Aha with their hit "Take on Me." They're all Norwegian, wow, so yes. clearly, wow, clearly, yeah. it's not all it's not all gloom and doom over there. Uh, to all the listeners, we apologize for scaring you and frightening you and disturbing you this week. But hey, it's spooky season. What what else are we supposed to do? But I'm sure that as we move forward, Matt, um, we'll have fewer mutilated bodies to and burned churches to to talk about, and more joy. Yeah, and man, I hope and so. Unburned churches, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> talk to you later, pal. 
Talk to you later, buddy. <laughs>